Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. Alrighty, this is week five in a message series called Starting Point. Uh, if you are just tuning in, if you're watching online, if you haven't listened to weeks one through four, want to encourage you to go back, uh, jump in your DeLorean, head back in time, and listen to weeks one through four. This message series will make the most sense if you're listening to the order to the uh, serve, to the messages to the sermons in numerical order. Uh, it'll all just kind of fit together. If you're new to our church, uh, or if you just have a little bit, if you're getting old like me and you have a Swiss cheese memory and you need a little bit of an update, uh, we, we're starting uh, over. We're pressing reset on our faith journey. We're talking a little bit about how when we were kids, for many of us, not for all of us, but for many of us, when we were kids, we picked up a little faith framework. We, we learned some things when we were kids, uh, when we were real little, you know, uh, and maybe you went to Sunday school or maybe you went to temple or mosque or, or, or synagogue or some other thing, or maybe you just picked it up on your own and sort of came to believe somehow. But for many of us, you know, if, particularly if you grew up in Sunday school or you grew up around church, you know, we, we learned a few things when we were real little. And, and there are things like, you know, God loves you, and, and, and God punishes bad people, but he rewards good people. And, and Jesus will forgive you for your sins so you confess your sins to God. And, you know, we were, many of us were taught to do that as kids. You just confess your sins. You know, if you grew up like I did, you were taught to go to confession and confess them. Confess them. Confess? You don't go to, you know, confess. You go, you confess. Shut up. You go to a priest. You sit in the booth. You do the thing. You know, later you learned, you can, you know, maybe you learned, uh, hey, you can actually just go talk right to God about this. But, you know, when you were a kid and you're, you're confessing your sins, you, when you're a kid, your sins are little. They're little kid sins. You know, you went in your sister's bedroom. You took, you stole somebody's toy. You took a cookie when you shouldn't have. You gave your brother a wedgie. That's the second week in a row the word wedgie has made it into my message. I'm going to see how long I keep that going. Okay, so they're little, and you confess, and, and you feel, you know, you, God forgives you, and you kind of move on. But as we got older, the sins got bigger. And as we got older, our choices, these mistakes that we make on purpose, got darker. And now, all of us, me, you, all of us, have some stuff in our past we would really rather not talk about. And there comes with those choices. Something that didn't always show up when you were a kid, or if it showed up was fleeting. Something now that many of us are carrying, something now that many of us walked in here with. Shame. And guilt. And our choices have taken us to places that we've tried hard to forget. And we act like everything's okay and we kind of move on through life like we're all better and we, we paint on the nice face and give everybody the pretty smile on Sunday morning and try to look good. But, but, but when it's you alone in the dark with the truth and you remember all those things that you don't bring up at parties, that whole season of your life that you're trying to forget. That thing that happened. 
That thing that happened on that business trip, that thing that happened while you were away, that thing that, that you did with the money, with the finances, that you hope nobody else finds out about, that, that thing that you're trying to cover a little bit. That first marriage you just don't want to talk about. That second marriage that you just don't want to talk about. For some of you, when it comes to college, you're just like, I went. That's all you need to know. Yeah, I know, it's quiet in here, isn't it? It's kind of heavy, you know. I know, I know, I know. Because this is heavy stuff. That guilt, that shame comes over you, and man, it doesn't really leave. And so you've spent some time trying to figure it out. You're like, how do I shake this? How do I get rid of this? How do I move on from this? And you've done some stuff, like you've taken some steps. And, and for many people, their way of dealing with that feeling, their way of dealing with their, their coping mechanism for the shame and the guilt that comes from previous choices just involves platitudes. Things like, you made some mistakes. Mistakes were made. We move on. And even as I say that, some of you are like, yeah, yeah, that. That feels better. Yeah, yeah, it feels better for a minute. It's a little Novocaine shot to numb the guilt, to numb the pain. But you know, and I know, it's just a matter of time before it comes back. So you've spun this. Spun it around and spun it around in your head. And you've told yourself all the stuff. You, you, oh, I, was, I was lonely. I was broke. I was hungry or angry or lonely or tired. I was in love. I was in need. You've told yourself all the stuff and you've tried. You've tried then to, to get better and to make it better. And, and tried to counterbalance the shame with better living, right? Because you know and I know an intrinsic truth. Sin creates debt. When you hurt somebody, there's debt. We use the language of debt. For example, if somebody, if somebody really, really hurts you, if somebody like just does you dirty, if somebody like, like just is, is, is bad to you, hurts you, wounds you intentionally, and you decide you want revenge, you might say something like, I'm gonna pay him back for what he did. That's the language of debt. I'm gonna pay, you paid me, now I'm gonna pay you back. Or, you owe me an apology, O-W-E, you owe me something. Now there's debt created, there's an imbalance, right? That's what wounding does, that's what sin does. It creates debt, so you know and I know if we've done things that incur shame, if we've done things we know we shouldn't have done, if we've done things that now we just, we're trying hard to forget and we really wish we, we didn't have to talk about it, if we've done those things, you sense intrinsically that the scale has been tipped and not in your favor. So what we do with that is we try to balance the scale with better behavior. We kind of just say, all right, you know what? I'm not gonna do that anymore. I've decided I'm not doing that, that's done, that part of my life is over, I'm gonna put that in the past, make, and, and maybe that'll balance the scale, but you know and I know that no amount of not doing that is gonna balance the scale. So some of you have said, well then I'm gonna make it up, I'm gonna be better, I owe it. 
I owe God, and God, I'm going to pay you back for this, not in a, an eventual way, but I'm going to make it up to you by being extra good. And some of you have done like a lot of good deeds. Some of you have given away gobs of money in an effort to make yourself feel better about what you did. And you're trying to erase the debt. And you've worked and worked and worked at it, and it has occurred to you, if you're honest with yourself, that nothing seems to work. That it's still there. That the guilt and the shame are still right behind you. That as soon as you stop running, they catch up to you. Which is why some of you are running so fast. Why you're so relentlessly busy. Why you are just in your bones scared to sit still and be quiet for a moment. Because you know the minute your brain is stilled, the guilt and the shame will catch right up to you. You're not wrong about that debt language. When it comes to debt, if you owe somebody, there's only two ways to handle it. The debt can be repaid, or the debt can be forgiven. A debt can be repaid, or a debt can be forgiven. Our sin has separated us from God, and it incurs something. And now, now we're in this place. We're all kind of tied up in this place where, where our choices have brought us some guilt. Our choices have brought us some shame. The framework of our childhood can't stand up to this, this shame, this guilt. Now we're carrying this stuff, and it just feels awful. So we're trying to figure out a way to have our shame gone. We're trying to find a way to just walk away from it. And every faith system in the world has basically told us, you behave your way out of it. If you did wrong, you better do a lot better in the future, and hopefully the scales will balance. And what we're finding here is that the scriptures actually tell us something radically different. If you were here a few weeks ago, we talked about Father Abraham, the beginning of God's cleanup effort, the beginning of God trying to restore things with, with humanity. Abraham believed God. And God credited it to him as righteousness. God gave him righteous standing. Not because he had behaved his way into righteousness, but simply because he believed. And then on down to Moses, to the children of Israel, who are told, take the blood of a lamb and, and, and smear it on the doorpost of your house. What? Yeah, you're going to take the blood of a lamb and smear it on the doorpost of your home tonight. You have to do this. You must. That's gross. Why are we doing this? What's the story with this? What's with the blood? Trust me. Just bring a little faith to the table. Trust. And so the angel of death passes over the children of Israel, and they celebrate Passover. The bloodline comes down, and now we arrive at Jesus Christ. And I, there's a lot of history between Abraham, Moses, and Jesus. I get that. We're skipping over a lot. This course wasn't meant to be a biblical survey. We're just kind of giving you the greatest hits. Everybody with me? So we come now to the New Testament, and we, we, we learn of a guy named John the Baptist. Anybody heard of John the Baptist? Some of you heard of him. Yeah. John the Baptist isn't a Baptist because he decided not to be a Presbyterian or a Methodist. John the Baptist is a Baptist because he baptizes people. He's John 
who baptizes, or as, our, as the original audience would have heard it, as the first century hearers would have heard it, he is John who washes. So, in the first century, if you wanted to convert to Judaism, you went through a ceremonial washing. You would stand in a very specific basin and you would pour water over your head and, and it would symbolize the washing away of an old life and the beginning of a new life. And you would do this for yourself. You would perform the baptizo. You would perform the ceremonial washing. John, in the first century, was doing something radical. He was doing something really radical. He was baptizing others. John was baptizing other people, and people were coming from all around. Like, there were lots and lots of people in the Judean countryside coming to see John the Baptist and, and, and being baptized. This is the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. That wasn't on the screen. That's okay. That's my fault. Um, the whole Judean countryside had gone out to see John the Baptist. Now, that doesn't mean literally everybody in the whole Judean countryside. Our author is using hyperbole, but he's saying, you ever, you ever, you ever have your kids go, Mom, everybody's going to be there. You know, that's kind of where we're at here. So, so there, there, there's a large crowd at the water, and John is baptizing people, and now people are starting to wonder, is John the Messiah? Like, is this the Messiah we've waited for? And here's what they ask him. Or here's how we re he responds. John chapter 1, verse 26. I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. So everyone's wondering, now, John, are you him? Are you him? Lots of people are coming out to you. He's out in the countryside, and he's baptizing people, and this feels holy. This feels messianic. This feels like this could be the guy, and they're asking him, John, are you him? And instead of a power grab, John goes, I'm not him. He's here. You don't know him yet, but he's coming. And the next day, there at the Jordan River, as crowds have gathered, Jesus begins to walk towards John, and here's what we find in John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day John saw him coming towards him and said, Look, behold, this is something new. Look, behold, see, turn and look. Pay attention. Wake up. This is something you haven't seen before. This is something new. Behold, the Lamb of God. What the original hearers would have heard was God's Lamb. God's sacrificial Lamb. And I promise you, everybody at the, at the river is like looking for a sheep. They're like, sheep coming, Lamb, God's Lamb. You can almost hear John go, no. Behold, God's lamb, God's sacrificial lamb. All of the Jewish audience would have understood what a sacrificial lamb means. Behold, the lamb of God, God's lamb, who takes away 
in the original, who lifts up and carries off. Look, something new, something you haven't seen. God's lamb, the sacrifice God provides, who takes away, who lifts up and carries away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What about that shame you're carrying? What about that guilt you're carrying? What about that thing that happened so long ago that still haunts you? The Lamb of God came to take away the sin of the world. That's Jewish sin, Roman sin, Greek sin, Gentile sin, your sin, my sin, all of it. All of the shame. So that you and I don't have to spend our days trying to pay it back, trying to, to, to even the scales, working and working and working in vain to somehow just make this feeling go away. To finally be free of it, to feel like we've paid back the debt, to finally feel like we're even again. You've spent years chasing that feeling, and it's been so elusive, it never comes. It's because this debt can't be repaid. This debt can't be paid back. This chasm cannot be bridged by your efforts. This debt may only be forgiven. And here in the scriptures we find he is God's lamb who takes away, who lifts up and carries off the sin of the world. That includes your sin. Years later, the Apostle Paul would start to internalize this. Hang on, though. Actually, we're not going to jump to Paul yet. This is, this is uh, the Gospel of Luke. And he's, he's he, he, you guys remember the, the, the story of the, the, the Last Supper. Yes, you've, you've heard this. Have you heard of the Last Supper? Some of you have heard of the Last Supper. Do you know what they're celebrating at the Last Supper? They're celebrating Passover. They're celebrating that moment all those years ago when the children of Israel believed, when it didn't make sense to believe. So they're celebrating Passover, and Jesus says to them, okay, I know up until now, Passover has meant this. Like, we all know what Passover means. We're celebrating Passover. And then he basically says, from now on, Passover is going to be about me. I am God's lamb. I'm the sacrifice. That was a wacky thing to say. That was a radical thing to say. That would be like if you showed up at Christmas dinner and said, guys, just letting everyone know from now on, Christmas is about me. We're going to celebrate me at Christmas. And I don't mean those of you who happen to have been born on December 25th. You guys get a pass. That was a rough deal that you got, but that's where it is. 
I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you just claiming the holiday is about you. The day is about you. It's all about you. Jesus makes that claim. This is about me. I'm giving you a new covenant. And we will, we will take communion together at the end of this message series. Today, though, I'm just going to read this to you. This is from Luke chapter 22. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After, sup after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Passover means something different now. Now we're marking something else. Jesus is pressing reset on everybody's understanding of faith. And the apostles did not get it. And neither would you have gotten it, and neither would I. Nobody understood what was really happening. Jesus setting himself up to die in payment for our sins. None of them got it. It was only years later that they came to really understand what he was doing. And when the apostle Paul put the pen to the paper, years later... He wrote this. This is from Colossians chapter 2. For he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. He canceled the record. Look at that. Look at the words. He canceled the record of the charges against us. There was a record of the charges against you. You know and I know that guilt was real and you couldn't shake it. For some of you, it's still here and you still feel like there's a ghost behind you pointing his bony finger at you and looking at you and saying, look at what you've done and look at where you've been and how dare you think you, sh you could count yourself among the righteous. You have permanently, in your, in your mind, disqualified yourself from ever being thought of as a righteous person, a good person. Paul says he took the record of your guilt and mine and carried it away. Did you catch that? He carried it away. He's the Lamb of God who lifts up and carries off the sin of the world, and he nailed it to the cross. What that means is that because of Jesus' work on the cross, your debt is paid. It's been forgiven. The debt was paid for. His sacrifice paid for all of our sin. Well, then what's left for us to do? We with our guilt, we, us here, in our shame, in our hurt, all that remains for you to do is to believe in what was done on your behalf. All that remains is for you to put your faith in him. Abraham believed, and it was counted to him as righteousness. The children of Israel believed that God was creating a covenant with them, not based on conditions, but because they were his children. Today, all that, all that remains is for you to believe. And I get it. Some of you already here now, you're thinking, it couldn't possibly be that easy. 
How could such a high God have such impossibly low standards? How could God just be that willing to, to forgive me? For many of you, for many of you, the issue isn't that you don't think God forgives you. And I've heard this so many times, I bet you guys could finish the sentence for me. Yeah, no, no, no. I believe God forgives me. I just can't forgive myself. No, I just can't forgive myself. The guilt of it still remains. The guilt of it still carries. The shame is still with me. No, I think maybe God forgave me, but I'm still walking in it. I'm still carrying in it. You, sir or madam, have not yet put your faith in the idea that Jesus Christ's death covers you. You might be of the opinion, as some are, that their sin, that their particular discretion, that what they've done has somehow rendered them outside of God's purview. That somehow your sin in particular renders you unforgivable. And to that I say, you have a short-sighted understanding of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. That sacrifice he made on the cross carries, carries all of us. It, it covers all of us. All that remains now for you to do is to believe. How could it work like that, you might ask? To which Jesus replies to you, trust me. Bring a little faith to the table. And do you know how to believe if you don't believe? You just choose to. You just decide to. You just decide, I'm going to put my faith in this. I'm going to put my faith in this. When you walked in here today, you sat down. And you believed that that chair would hold the ponderous bulk of your weight. You didn't walk in and go, okay, let me just check this chair. I don't know. You ever sat on it? You ever been to a, you ever been at a party, like in the backyard, and seen a really rickety lawn chair? And if you're kind of, if you're an overweight dude like me, I'm always like, mm, I don't know. The little tiny plastic flimsy ones, you know, with the, the leg, and, you, and, you, and, and if the ground is a little soft, you're going to go, you check it, you don't know, you give it a little, let me see if it's going to work. And eventually you kind of look, and you're just like, I hope it holds me, I hope it holds me. When you walked in here today, you just sat down in the chair. You believed it would hold you. Believe him, he can hold you. He can support the weight of what you've done. He can pick up and carry off what you've done. All that remains now is for you to believe him. And with that, we'll close in prayer, and we'll pick it up right from here next Sunday with part six. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you for the opportunity to believe that we today get to choose to believe. And I pray, Father, even now that there are people choosing now to just believe this, to put their faith in you. And for all of us, Father, who are carrying shame and carrying guilt from our past, who are still walking with this heavy burden, believing that we have been beyond your forgiveness. We pray, create faith within us to believe that you carried off our sin, 
that you lifted it up and took it away and nailed it to the cross so that today we could go free of it. The debt paid and forgiveness now available. May that be true in all of our lives. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word TRUENORTH to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.